Hello and welcome to Uncommon Law, my podcast about true stories from my life experience of over 50 years as a lawyer and trial judge. This is a look at the law from the inside out, stuff they don't teach in law school. This is Judge Rudy Greco, retired justice of the New York State Supreme Court. I had been practicing law just a couple of years when my receptionist called back to my office and said, we have two people out here that want to see you. They don't have an appointment. They're a a nice-looking, very sweet old couple, probably in their late 70s, and they'd like to see you. They need a lawyer. Well, I didn't take walk-in clients, and I wasn't in a storefront office on purpose because you just don't know what you get when people walk in from the street. You can get all kinds of kooky people that just want to talk to somebody uh, and waste time. You never know what you're getting. But, again, I had just been practicing a couple of years, and the rent has to be paid. And so when she told me that they were a nice-looking, very... uh, charming old couple and I knew that the rent was coming due those two factors combined and said okay look what's the, what's the, I wasn't doing anything uh, particularly urgent at that time why not what's what's the harm let me talk to them I said okay fine you can show them in and um, in comes this couple he's a big tall lumbering guy very nicely dressed in a suit and tie clean as a whistle and she is petite all silvery gray hair, and she looked like there was an old actress on on television called Spring Byington, and she looked like Hollywood's idea of the typical cute little grandma figure with the lace collar and a a pretty prim dress. Well, they were charming people. They introduced themselves as Mr. and Mrs. Miles, Jack and Marie, and they said they needed a lawyer because... They lived in an apartment, and people upstairs, their upstairs neighbors, were suing them in housing court or civil court, which is right across from my office, by the way, in Queens. And um, they thought that the tenants upstairs who were Polish were in cahoots with the Polish super who was acting at the direction of the landlord to get them out of their rent-controlled apartment. They lived in a beautiful apartment. They had lived there for some 45 years, and it was rent-controlled. And if they thought that if the landlord got them out, the landlord could get three or four times the rent they were paying for the same apartment. And they thought that was what they offered as the explanation uh, that was behind this lawsuit. It was all rigged up to get them out of the apartment. I said, don't you have a lawyer? They said, well, we had a lawyer, uh, an Italian guy from uh, Jackson Heights, and they mentioned his name, and I recognized his name because I lived in Jackson Heights, and I saw his name sometimes on my way to the subway. I saw his name in his, uh, on the sign of his office. They said, well, you can call him, and you can speak to him. I said, well, why isn't he a lawyer anymore? They said, well, he had a heart attack. And he's not going to court, and he's semi-retired. He really doesn't want to go to court anymore. It's not good for his health. And we need to get somebody new. And we wanted an Italian lawyer. And we saw your name. It looks like an Italian name up there on on the uh, front window of your office, which is right across from the uh, the courthouse. And we thought this could be good. And we'd take a chance on talking to you. I said, well, I'll tell you what. 
let me check in. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Let me think this over, and I'll see if I represent you. I'll, I'll make up my mind whether or not I want to represent you tomorrow. I'll call you. Give me your phone number. And when are you supposed to be in court? They said, well, two days from now. Uh, I said, okay, so we have tomorrow to think this over, until tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow to think this over. I'll give you a ring in time. And if it doesn't work out, I'll give you a call early tomorrow so that you can get another lawyer if necessary. You'll still have time. Okay, fine. But we'd like you to represent us. We think you're nice and, and uh, it should be okay. I said, fine. I appreciate it. So... I called the other lawyer up, and I said, excuse me, but I'm such and such, and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Miles came in. Oh, he said, yeah, I represented them for years. They're very good payers. They're nice people, and they pay <laughs> up front, which is magic to, to lawyers. You don't have to go chasing them for the money. He said, and um, they pay in cash and up front. He said, you can't ask for better than that. I said, well, you don't represent them anymore. How come? Well, it's, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I said, is there anything else? He said, well, look, you have to make those judgments on your own. You know, you, you don't want to ask me about uh, anything. I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. But, you know, keep your eyes open and keep your ears open and uh, make your own judgment. He said, but, they're, you know, they are good payers and uh, that's up to you. I said, okay, we'll leave it at that. He was ducking. I know he was ducking. But when I heard that they pay in cash and they pay up front and I need the rent and I need the clientele, Necessity is the mother of invention. So I called him back the next day and I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll meet you tomorrow morning over at civil court and um, this is the fee and you bring the fee with you. Okay, no problem. What time? Good enough. So I go across the street underneath Borough Hall in Queens on Queens Boulevard and Kew Gardens to the civil court and I show up at the courtroom and I meet them and I sit down. And our case, lo and behold, is the first one called. And such and such against uh, Miles. Oh, I get up and I give my notice of appearance, my name, address, and everything, saying I represent uh, the defendants, Mr. and Mrs. Miles, Jack and Marie, my name, my address, etc., etc. Up on the other side, and even here for the other side is a young man, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's fumfering. He's well dressed, nice, clean cut young fella. And the judge said, excuse me, are you a lawyer? He says, no, no, Your Honor. He said, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm from building management. Uh, and I'm here to represent the other tenants. If I can, uh, at least help out if they represent themselves. He said, okay, uh, the other tenants. Is anybody else here on this case? And the next thing I hear is this loud rumbling noise and a lot of voices a lot of grumbling voices. And I look up at the judge, because my back is to the audience, and the judge looks at me and he makes a motion with his hand, a circular motion, like turn around and take a look. I turned around, and there the entire courtroom was standing up, facing me. It was an angry mob. It looked like the Oxbow incident. All they were missing was a, was a noose and a tree, and that wouldn't have been good enough. They probably would have tarred and feathered them first. They were grumbling and mumbling, and I said, Judge, uh, I think I'm going to need a recess here. Can we call this case again in a few minutes? I have to talk to my clients. He says, I think that's a great idea, counsel. Why don't you do that? All right, everybody be seated, and we'll adjourn this for a few minutes and uh, give it a second call. So I go outside, and I get my two lovely old clients, and I said, what's going on here? What's going on, Jack says. 
What's going on? They're a pack of coyotes. And he said, they, they don't know what they're doing. They would have come for me if I asked them. I said, well, they didn't come for you. They came for the other side. I know, but they're just following a pack of coyotes. No, 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 no. I, I said, no, no, no. Hold on a second now. The judge doesn't know you, and he doesn't know the other people on the other side, but there's 45 of them. I said, I'm not a magician. I'm just a lawyer. Clarence Darrow would be intimidated if he had to face 45 angry witnesses against his client. And there were his two clients saying they were just a pack of coyotes out there. Okay, there's no such defense as a pack of coyote defense. That's not going to work. I said, we got a problem. I said, all right, you stay here. I'm going to talk to the manager of the building, the young guy. And I don't want you talking. Keep away from your neighbors there, the coyotes, and keep away from them. Don't talk to them. Don't say anything. Don't talk to anybody until I get back. So I walk out. I walked around the corner in the hallway, and I motioned to the young fellow. I said, come come over. Let's, let's get together, and um, let's have a talk. He said, sure. He joins me. I said, hi. I said, I'm sorry. I said, but what's this all about? I said, look, these people are in their late 70s, and if this is about evicting them and getting them out of a rent control apartment, you're going to do this over my dead body. Do you understand? No, he said, no, no, please, please. That's not it. He said, that's not it at all. We don't want to get rid of them. I don't care really how the case ends up, except that certain behavior has to stop here. We have to straighten out. I said, well, what behavior are you talking about? He said, well, Mr. Miles goes to work. He told me he was in the wholesale fruit business. And he used to go to work early in the morning and come back uh, somewhat in the afternoon. It turns out eventually, and I'll say that later, that wasn't true. Uh, hardly anything was true. But he said, when he goes, she springs into action. I said, what do you mean? He said, well... She plays four radios on the same station, full blast, all day. They live in an apartment. Their apartment overlooks the entrance to the building. This is a building with 80 units in it, so people are all coming and going in the main entrance there. And she throws water on them, curses at them, and, and throws things at them. If she has fruit or whatever she has in her hand. And they're always under assault to get in and out of the building. He says, if you go to the apartment, it's a beautiful apartment, except if you look at the living room ceiling, it's all pockmarked because she keeps hitting it with a broom. It looks like the Ho Chi Minh Trail under a, under a, a, a mortar attack. He says, the place is a mess. He says, and she's doing all of this stuff, and she's cursing at the people and arguing with them, and, and she's just a menace everywhere she is. That sweet little old lady, I said, he said, yeah, she's like a monster when, you know, when, when he goes to work. She's crazy. I said, all right, all right. Let me, let me go back and talk to them. I said, what do you want to do? He says, well, I just want them to stop and behave themselves so they don't present a problem for the building and then it becomes the management problem. You know, if they can behave themselves, I don't know how we're going to do that. I said, all right, let me, let me talk to them. So I go back to Jack and Marie. I said, listen, what's this about the radio, four radios, and hitting the ceiling with the broomstick and throwing water and cursing at the people that are going in and out of the front entrance? Oh, she says, that's all, that's not true. She says, you don't know these people, what they do to me. Let's talk about what they do to me. I said, well, what do they do to you? She says, they follow me everywhere I go in my apartment. They've electrocuted my little slippers so that I can't use them. 
When I try to wash dishes, I get electric shocks. They know exactly where they am, and they are right above me doing exorcistic things and witchcraft, and they follow me all over the house, and they have even electrocuted my toilet seat. I can't go to the toilet because I get shocks when I sit down. And they know exactly. I said, how are they doing? How are they They Didn't you see the movie? They're using exorcistic devices. And they're following me. I said, do you have any of these exorcistic devices? Did you get any of these things? No, they're hard to find, but that's what they use. And they're all together. You know, they're Polish and the Subaru is Polish. And they, they follow everything I do. And they do uh, dances, uh, the Kazatsky or whatever they do. They jump up and down and stomp their feet. That's why I hit the ceiling because they do that. And they do it on purpose so that I have no peace all day until my husband comes home. And then it gets quiet because they know he's there. I said, okay, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I don't know what we're going to do here, but let's go back in. I go back in and said, judge, before you call the case, can we have a conference in chambers? And the judge said, sure. So I go back and I told him the whole story with the, the manager, uh, the young man from the, from the building management. I said, judge, I don't know how, how we're going to work this out, but, you know, is there anything you can do to help? I would appreciate it. He said, well, why don't you just leave it to me? Just You just play along with me, okay? I said, sure. He said, well, we'll straighten this out. He said, uh, let me do it, and, and uh, don't give me any, any grief here. Go along with it. I said, okay, fine. I'm in your hands. I said, if you can, you know, if you can resolve this thing. He says, yeah, I think I can do this. He said, just come out, and we'll call the case again. So we come out, and we call the case again. He said, Mr. and Mrs. Miles, stand up. He said, now I want to tell you something. All of these good people are here because of what you do, cursing and yelling at people and throwing water at them at the door, banging on the ceiling all day, playing four radios, and all the stuff that you pull all the time, he said. And there's all of these people have come here, and I want you to know I'm ready to put both of you behind bars. The only thing that's stopping me is your lawyer is pleading on your behalf and he's a good person and he's trying to, trying to help you out. So I'm telling you what I'm going to do. That behavior has to stop. We're going to put this case over for 30 days. You are now on parole. Do you understand? Both of you. You're going to jail if anything happens in the next 30 days. And I hear from any of these neighbors even one single complaint Everybody better be on their best behavior. Do you get that? Well, no, no, I don't want to hear any excuses, he said. No more broomstick, no more water, no more radios, no more anything, or you're going to jail. You come back here in 30 days, and if you don't behave yourself, get ready to go to jail because I will not hesitate. I'm only giving you a break for the reasons I said. Is that clear? Mr. Miles, is that clear? Yes, Judge, yes, Judge. Okay. Is that, yes, yes, Your Honor, okay, okay, I'll, uh, I'll listen and, uh, and we'll come back in 30 days. Okay, call in the next case. Let's go. This case is over and this case is adjourned until such and such a date. 30 days come by, they behave themselves. I ended up inheriting these people for the next 10 or 12 years. 
And I made a mistake, a cardinal mistake. And an old lawyer told me that when you get clients like this, never go to their house. If you ever go to their house, that's a big mistake. They'll think you're part of the family. You'll never get rid of them. And I did go to their house because eventually he had a stroke. He had two strokes. She was 92 and she was complaining that they, they were causing her to, to be unable to walk. Well, she was 92 years old, 93 years old. She was having walking problems. And they adopted me. And I was more the resident psychologist and uh, psychiatrist or whatever than, than anything else. And they, she kept complaining about the exorcistic devices. And the, there was a backstory. And I said, look, Marie, I need proof. If you get me one of the exorcistic devices, I need evidence. The courts run on evidence, not on just what people say. I said, and the judge doesn't know. and We need evidence. Well, they're doing. And she would call me up. They're attacking me. I said, well, I gave her a holy picture of St. Michael. I said, St. Michael threw the devil out of heaven. I said, he threw Lucifer out of heaven. When these people give you this hard time, you want to get rid of the exorcistic effects of all of what they're doing, you say this prayer to St. Michael and he'll get rid of them. So she would pray to St. Michael and get rid of the devils and the backstory was fascinating because it eventually came out over the years he and she met around 1945 or 46 they had eloped to get married this was on a saturday or a sunday they went to philadelphia to get married two problems the courts were not open on sunday to get married and he was married and he couldn't get a divorce. So they decided to be living together lightly for the next 47 years as a husband and wife under assumed they were they, his name was really Sclafani. It wasn't Miles at all or anything like that. He wasn't a, a wholesale fruit vendor. He was a doorman at a very fancy building on 57th Street in Sutton Place, much beloved by all the people in the building. And he just had an alter ego. You know, he lived another life and she lived another life. And... Um, that's how they came along, and, and eventually he died, and she insisted on moving to Florida with her sister. And I said, Marie, don't leave the apartment. This is a great apartment. You don't want to leave. Why don't you go to Florida and try? No, no, no. I'm going to go and move in with my sister. And she went to Florida, moved in with her sister. Three months later, she called me back and said, I want to come back. You can't. You're stuck in the apartment, and I never heard of her again. The moral of the story is you can't judge a book by its cover. You just never know what's going on. And next time you see a nice-looking, sweet little old lady, think twice. You never know what's going on behind there. It could be the Wicked Witch of the East that you're dealing with. Thanks for listening. Come back next week for another episode of Uncommon Law, Lessons They Don't Teach in Law School. I'm Judge Rudy Greco. Court is adjourned.